NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, it's really rock and roll. The whole story of Fozzie. I'm talking every last detail from our first day together to the end of our most recent tour, December 4th in Calgary. Uh, Scott Bowling, who hosts a great show on YouTube called Good Company, won the pledge music bid to sit down and interview me, and he chose to focus on Fozzie. Got a great interview up there with Rich Ward. They just did 300,000 views on that. Uh, lots of guys, guys from Corn, guys from Three Days Grace, uh, St. Estonia. Go check out Good Company when you can. And check out the introduction uh, of Chris Jericho and Rich Ward, which I explained to Scott in great detail. Our first time playing together, Fozzie's first live show. We talk about all the albums and how Fozzie's creative process has changed and grown over the years from a cover band like the original Steel Panther all the way to uh, having three top 10 hits from the Judas record. Uh, we talk about the amazing Judas effect, how the last 18 months have just taken the band to a completely different level. I'm telling lots of great Fozzie stories, some that you might not have heard before. It's all things Fozzie with Chris Jericho. Uh, so I'm turning the hosting duties over to Scott Bowling. He's steering the ship for this episode of Talk is Jericho, and it starts now. Scott, well, uh, this is your, uh, we have pledge music for the Judas record, and one of the things that you could do was um, get the opportunity to interview Chris Jericho for Talk is Jericho. So for the first time ever, I am not uh, the the uh, interviewer here. No pressure. Um, you are. So it's Scott Bowling, and you have some uh, uh, good company as your show. So you have some interviewing experience. Yes, sir. And uh, now we'll see how good it is. We're going to turn it over to you for the first time ever. Talk is Jericho with special guest host Scott Bowling and uh, uh, special guest Chris Jericho. Chris, man, thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Well, man, absolutely. This, this is, is exciting. Uh, no it's, pressure. It's weird to be on the other side of the coin. For uh, <laughs> Actually, when we do talk, uh, talk and shop... Uh, Carl Anderson leads leads the charge, but so uh, but never uh, as a full time guest, you are the guy. So nice. I'm very excited. First of all, I just want to say that I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm a huge fan of your music, actually. Cool, thank you. I grew up watching wrestling, but I kind of kind of my passion is music. Mm -hmm. I have my own show called Good Company. Mm -hmm. I interview musicians. I've um, interviewed Michael Sweet, which mm -hmm. I know you like. Yeah, him. great guy. Yeah, um, Bones. So you interviewed a lot of guys. A lot of guys. Cool. And you're here now with, with Chris. <laughs> I'm here with you. Yeah. So um, I guess I want to run through your catalog. Kind of like how I do with Good Company is I run through each album and kind of find out the past and, and then go all the way up to what you're doing right now. 
Sure. And I brought these props, and you reminded me. You said hey, this is not video. <laughs> yeah, you said you wanted to show me. <laughs> but uh, I just kind of want to show because I like all the visual of our records thing. kind of uh, on like placards sort of thing. Right. So here's your first two, right? So I have. Yes. These are your first two, and they're mostly cover albums, correct? Yeah. The first one is Fozzie, and that came out in 2000. And the second one is Happenstance. They came out in 2002. Um, yeah, but mostly cover records. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what happened was um, when I was a kid, I wanted to get, I wanted to be in a rock and roll band, and I wanted to be a wrestler. Those are kind of my two goals. So even though wrestling took off first, I still always played music. I recorded demos, and I had a band called Mr. Filthy. I had a band called uh, Blackstone Menace. I had a band called Great Caesar's Ghost. And I would just record and, uh, and, and demo songs, knowing that eventually I wanted to do something, you know, put together a band. And I was actually thinking about putting together a band when I was in WCW with some guys from Winnipeg that I grew up with. Just wanted to get something rolling. And around that time was when I met Rich Ward at a, at a WCW show. He was doing some um, work with his band Stuck Mojo, and they had done a video for their song Rising, with uh, Diamond Dallas Page and his flock. Uh, it, it wasn't his flock, but he, the flock and DDP and then Stuck Mojo. And it was kind of, they were playing in a wrestling ring and there was a big battle royal. And they're very much um, a wrestling friendly band. And I remember I went and saw them in 98 with Testament in Orlando uh, just for something to do because I was just living there by myself. And my friend was like, well, make sure you go see the opening band. So. I went and saw Stuck Mojo, and I saw they had little wrestling figures on the on the amps, and uh, they were saying stuff like "To be the band, you got to beat the band," which is a paraphrase on Ric Flair. "To be the man, you got to beat the man." And I just remember thinking, like, "Wow, these guys are really interesting," but I didn't want to go say anything because I was just kind of a, a low level guy in WCW. Little did I know that those guys were huge WCW fans, and they were fans of mine. So. Um, by this big act of happenstance, no pun intended, I meet Rich Ward backstage at a show in San Antonio and then meet him again at another show in Greenville and we start talking and um, kind of kindred spirits, you know, talk about Striper, talk about Journey, ACDC, a lot of the bands that we both like. And then I was like, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, I want to put together a band. He goes, well, listen, he goes, we do this cover band in, um, in, in Marietta in Atlanta. It's called Fozzie Osborne. It's really... Um, you know, no pressure, really loose. Whoever's in town shows up and we just jam and play covers. And so uh, I was like, well, it happened to uh, had hurt my ankle and uh, I was off from WCW for a few months. I said, why don't we do some shows? And that's kind of how it all started. The first two shows were in Mary. The first Fozzie show ever was at a place called The Hangar in Marietta, Georgia. And uh, that's kind of how it all began. Was that um, when you guys were doing this? Was this when, is it Johnny Z that discovered you? or, or who Well, yeah. What happened was because of we had done these two shows and there was kind of a buzz about the band because Rich and Frank from Stuck Mojo, which had some real steam at the time, and Chris Jericho from WCW, about to go to WWE, it was right around that time, were in a band together. So we, there was actually a bidding war for Fozzie, Sight Unseen and Sound Unheard. Just because of who was in the band, which was... That's kind of make you feel good. Well, yeah. And it was back in the days when, um, you know, before the record business really collapsed. And I think we I think we got like 75 grand as an advance for our first record, which is insane for a band that you've never even heard one of their songs. We're just doing covers, you know. Uh, and Johnny Z and Megaforce was, was the band, was the uh, label that signed us. So um, it just kind of all started from there. 
you know. So you put one cover album out, and then you toured on that one for a little bit. And we then... never really toured. That's the thing. Like the, the, the caveat with Fozzie is because I was so busy with the WWE at the time, they knew that it wouldn't be a touring band. It wouldn't be a touring project. It would just be a, um, you know, just a kind of a. We would do sporadic shows when we could, mm -hmm. but never anything big. You know, I don't think we did a full tour until, until. Uh, the Chase and the Grail record. I mean, we did wow. some stuff for all that remains as far as like short European tours and stuff. But, yeah. you know, so yeah, it basically all started out as just, um, you know, just kind of a, 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 basically a side project, you know, and, and because it was just covers, I thought, well, that's kind of boring. Why don't we put together a, a story, do like a Blues Brothers type of thing or mm -hmm. a, a Spinal Tap or a Steel Panther. We yeah. were like the original Steel Panther. Yeah, before Steel Panther. Yeah, and came up with this whole thing where the songs that we were covering were really our songs mm -hmm. that were stolen from us while we were stuck overseas uh, in Japan <laughs> and on a bad record deal. And yeah. we actually made a, a, a mockumentary. I saw that yeah. on YouTube. It called Unleashed Uncensored Unknown. It was on MTV. It was made for MTV. And that's the best thing about YouTube is it, it, it's up there now. You can go watch it. Whereas before, you know, it's on DVD and then how do you get it out there? But yeah, it's on YouTube and it's it's actually really funny. We made it on a shoestring budget in, in two days, total improv. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was kind of the, the story of the first record right there. So after your first record, you did another one and then that was basically cover songs. But your third album is probably uh, All That Remains. That's probably one of my favorite Fozzie records, actually. Yeah, people love that record. I love that record. And, and just to say, like, kind of, um, the first record, Fozzie, was eight covers and two originals. Mm -hmm. uh, the second record, Happenstance, was, I think, six covers and four originals. And what happened was we um, had an opportunity to do the Howard Stern show. Wow. At the time, Howard was doing this thing where he would, uh, he claimed that his band, his celebrity band, was better than any other celebrity bands. You know, yeah. I think, you know, uh, Corey Feldman and Tina Yothers and Doug Flutie and bacon and all those type of guys and he had his band they were called the losers so he was like my band the losers is still better than any celebrity band so Fozzie got invited and um we whipped his ass basically but when we got there we did uh, our song uh to kill a stranger uh, was it to kill a stranger that we did i think it was to kill a stranger and um we're sitting there before the show and we're like we can't do this show with like the wigs on and all this stuff because we had all adopted characters yeah. like Steel Panther, like the Blues Brothers. So right. it was like, fuck it, let's just take all of that off mm -hmm. and then um, we'll just uh, be ourselves. And that's when we're like, listen, we are a great rock and roll band. Uh, we lost to the Losers, but we're the only band to ever get one vote. It was two votes for the Losers <laughs> and one for us. And then after Howard said, listen, man, he goes, the only reason why I won is it's my show and they're told to make sure I win. But you guys killed me and I'm never doing this again. Oh, that's awesome. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, we're and like, you beat Corey Feldman too. So that's We beat Feldman. <laughs> that's always a plus. We always try. And that's when I was like, you know what? Like, And Rich and I were like, dude, we should just do our own thing. And that's, you know, 2005 was All That Remains, which was our first all original record with us as ourselves. That's great. I, I love them. Um... I love, it seems like, are a couple of those songs like six beat songs? Because I remember like hearing like Test and... Yeah, Rich had done a, a side project of a side project where he had done a band called Six Speed. Right. And on this record, The Test and The All Way I remains. Am. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The Test and The Way I Am were yeah. two uh, six speed songs that we kind of fozzied up a bit. Um, Did you listen to like the originals and you're kind of... You kind of yeah, I love or... the six speed stuff. That's awesome. Um, and and I think Rich's idea was to use a couple of those songs because they were they were done deal and the six speed never got a record deal, so mm -hmm. they were just ready to go. And 
what we did on this record to all that remains is we went and got all of our friends because Fozzy far beyond was always um, much more critically acclaimed by other musicians first mm. um, because of the guys in the band. I mean, Rich Ward is second to none as a guitar player and he's now just getting his real due. But at the time, you know, Zach Wilde was a big fan and wow. uh, Mark Tremonti was a big fan and those type of guys. So on All That Remains, Zach appears on it. Yeah, on that's Wanderlust. so cool. And Bone Crusher. Bone How'd you Crusher. get Bone Crusher on there? Uh, Bone Crusher is a rapper. We wanted to do kind of a combination of a rock vocal, a rap vocal, and a rhythm and blues, like a Tina Turner type thing. So that song has all of those elements. Excuse me. And then on the way I am, Mark Tremonti's on that and Nameless oh. Faceless Miles Kennedy's on it. That's on So it's like the early days of Alter Bridge as well. So And I didn't mean to skip over um Zach Wild, but I love that song he's on. Thanks, Wonderless. Man. That's a great song. It's a great tune. It's funny because now um as we move through the catalog, it gets harder and harder to pick a set list, you know? Oh yeah. And all of the songs that we used to play live, we don't play anything from the first record. We just recently dropped Eat the Rich. We were playing that. It was kind of people always like that. And we played Feel the Burn. And end of days for years, but then you write better songs. Mm -hmm. And happenstance, we were doing Stranger, uh, Free Will Burning. We used to do Crucify Yourself and With the Fire. Those are all gone now. We'll do Free Will Burning once in a while for VIP. Uh, we do a little bit of a mini concert before the show oh, nice. and To Kill a Stranger, but those are gone. And so the only song we do off the first four records actually now is uh, is Enemy. With your catalog growing like this, would you ever think about doing like an evening with Fozzie? Yeah, I think so. Um, and the thing is, too, that like our songs now, I think the last three records, we've really found who this, the Fozzie sound is. Mm. And so those songs are just so much better, you know, and it's fun to go back and play like, you know, To Kill a Stranger. But over the years, I mean, there's almost two separate versions of the band because there's this band that existed from... 2000 to 2005 then we took a hiatus for four years and then grail came out in 10 and that's where it's been 2010 2012 2014 2017 um and those songs are just so much more superior and more people know them right you know there's there's longtime fozzy fans that will still like you know to kill a stranger but i'm sure it's when metallica plays like motor breath you get like mm. half the crowd that's going nuts and the other half going like this isn't on the black album what the, what the hell is this so <laughs> you got to pick the songs that that work Resonate. the best for when you're playing and touring and you know when when we're headlining we do 14 or 15 songs and when you're opening you get 45 minutes i mean we just did 45 minutes with steel panther had nine songs what do you choose there's so many songs and sooner or later some of your favorites have to get left off did you guys collaborate with the Steel panthers though like did you do any songs together on stage or we did uh not together uh, uh michael Starr sang on tonight on the do you uh, want to start i love that song. song yeah he sings the middle part but um, that's just a great mix of guys because they're just like us. They're fun guys. We always have a good time. Uh, and their audience comes to their shows to have fun. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what Fozzie's crowd does too. So it was a great mix. So this, this next record, you guys took like a little hiatus, didn't you? On yeah, we this? Did like, yeah, four year Four break. years. And this was your first time, correct me if I'm wrong, With you guys were a four piece on this album? Well, we were a four-piece because we had just lost our guitar player, uh, Mike Martin. If you look on all the records, uh, Frank Fonsoray, Rich Ward, and Chris Jericho have played on every record. Mm. Uh, and all that remains, Frank was gone for a while. He, he, we, uh, we had a bit of a falling out and let him go and um, brought in uh, uh, another drummer called Eric Sanders, mm. who we call Rain Man because he knew everything about nothing. And also realized that he was not a good replacement for Frank Fonser because Frank and Rich play so good together. They're like the Van Halens 
or like you know a dime bag and Vinnie Paul. They yeah. just they're made to play with each other. And I remember the first night we played with Eric Sanders, and he was a great guy and a good player, but just not the right style. And we're looking at Rich, going, "Man, you made a big mistake." <laughs> uh, and then we had a guy called Mike Martin coming in to play guitar, and then Mike left, so we brought Billy Gray in then at that point. And Billy yes. did not play in the album, but he was on the tour, and Billy's been with us since 2010. Oh, he's cool. That's he's, awesome. Yeah, he's great. He's a great player. So. Uh, so the pictures were taken as a four-piece, even though uh, it's like the Def Leppard, uh, I think it was the Adrenalize album, when they take pictures as a four-piece, even though you have a, another guy coming in pretty soon. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, and I love that song. Uh, what's the the single you guys did was uh, Martyr. Martyr No More. That's Yeah, that's a great yeah, song. Yeah, once again, I mean, you, you know, look, Under Black and Skies, we played Martyr No More, Grail, Madness Begin, Pray for Blood, God Pounds His Nails, Friday the 13th. I mean, we did all those songs live at one point. And then they just slowly get whittled away. Uh, and Martyr and God were the last two. Martyr just, there's certain songs, that, like I just didn't like singing that song anymore. It just yeah. it was boring to me. Even though a lot of people love it, and it's a great tune, but just didn't, wasn't fitting the vibe of the show. And uh, and then God Pounds His Nails was the last one, and even that one. Uh, at the beginning of this tour, the Judas tour, um, we were playing it and going, like, it's just not... It's just not c cutting it anymore, you know, and that was dropped as well. So, like I said, from the first four records, the only song that we do still is Enemy. Wow. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Okay, man, moving right along. Uh, Sin and Bones is a great record. Um, yeah. I love this one. Actually. I think I that's vinyl the first really great record for me. What was it like having your first vinyl? This is your first the, vinyl? Yeah, it was our first vinyl. And, uh, you know, like, this was also in Century Media Records. It was the first time we've been on a major label. Like, Megaforce was fine. The The first two records were Megaforce. The third record was, if you look, it was uh, Ash Records. was the name of my son. We had our own our own uh, record company because wow. nobody would sign us, okay. which kind of was a <laughs> drag. Knew that. And then Chasing the Grail was done through an Australian company called Riot Records. So, I mean, dude, we didn't have anything and then finally signed with, with what was a, a pretty major label for us uh, in in um, Century Media. So, you know, when you're playing in the big leagues, one of the one of the kind of cool things about it was we got our first LP and it's, uh, you know, first vinyl record. And, and, you know, having a CD is huge. Uh, there's even cassettes of the first Fozzie record. You guys need to do cassettes. Believe That's it or awesome. not. Really? Actually, who was I talking to? I was talking to Biff Biver from yeah, Saxon the that. other day. He wants to bring back cassettes. Or we could do like Cheap Trick. Tri Cheap Trick put out 8-track because <laughs> they knew they'd have the biggest selling 8-track of the year. <laughs> um, but uh, to, to actually hold a, a, an LP, a vinyl record in your hand, that to me is when we really made it, you know? Mm. Uh, and this was also the, 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 the first record that Paul DeLeo played on. Wow. Who is this is the Fozzie lineup. Like yes. this is your classic, you know, Iron Maiden lineup or Aerosmith lineup, you know, Metallica with Cliff Burton, whatever your classic lineup is, this is Fozzie. And Paul is, used to play with Billy Joel, right? I mean, Paul he like a, did play with Billy, Billy Joel. Big guy. Yeah, he did play with Billy Joel for a tour. He played with um, Paul Simon. Wow. Um, and he plays actually for the last 10, 15 years with Nana, 99 Luft Balloons. Oh, yeah. She's really popular in Germany. And big compliment. So, it, yeah, it was a real huge step up for us. And Sandpaper was a big, big hit. Sandpaper guys, right? was a big hit. It, it should have been bigger, but we we're still kind of opening the doors of the radio world, which, you know, it's it was a slow climb. We finally got there with Judas, but um, 
uh, Spider My Mouth still in the set. Sandpaper still in the set. Uh, Blood Happens, we played it, but we dropped it. Inside My Head, we've dropped that one. Sin and Bones still in the set. I love playing that every night. Uh, She's My Addiction was was in the set for a while, but that was dropped. Shine Forever was in the set for a while, but that was dropped. So, um, you know, once again, every album we ended up playing about six or seven songs from it. But, um, yeah, this one was uh, a great record. And, of course, Sandpaper with uh, M Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold. It's amazing. And uh, She's My Addiction had the guitar solo by Phil Campbell from Motorhead. Wow. So, you know, we always always have somebody on the record. On Chasing the Grail, the guest was Jeff Waters from Annihilator who did the solos for God Pounds His Nails and Martyr because we needed a shred solo and Billy wasn't in the band yet, so I called Jeff, who's one of the best shredders in the world. So when you guys did Sin and Bones, um, was this when you guys were thinking, you know, we need to change our sound up because do you want to start a war with such a big change, it seems like, in styles yeah, I and mean, everything? Yeah, I mean... I think it takes every band a few records to really find out what their style is. And when I talk about the two versions of Fozzie from 2000 and 2005, and then the one that started with Chasing the Grail, and that's also when Rich and I said, listen, we need to take this seriously and do this full time, make this the priority. And you can see the ascension of the band since then, since 2010 to now. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, the commitment, Um, Rich's songwriting, which has always been great. We got more focused. There's still... On Cinnabones, there's still Storm the Beaches, which is a 14-minute song, and Grailhead Wormwood, which is a 14-minute song. And that's when we were going through our, you know, uh, Rush, Iron Maiden, Halloween, you have to have an epic. And I even had uh, an epic written for Do You Want to Start a War called, um, it was about the um, the, the Donner Party. Oh. I think I, I, it, was, it was, the working title was Donner Party, which is this group of people that were going through the mountains and had a snowstorm and ended up having to eat each other. Oh, yeah. Feel good stuff. Um, <laughs> but this is still like when you're talking about songs like spider sandpaper and cinnamon bones, um, like I said, those three will be in the set until the end of time. And that's when you can see, okay, the hook is coming. It's groovy. A lot of harmonies. Sure. That's when we really started getting to that style of things. And that really focused more on, do you want to start a war more than ever? That's great. And I love, didn't you guys win like some kind of strip club like song? We didn't for, win. Um, the, do you want the, to, uh, the, Lights Go Out? Yeah, Lights Go Out. So um, do you want to start a war? Uh, the, the single was Lights Go Out, which was, I mean, it was the first song that we ever had that officially charted on rock radio. I think it went to like 29 or 28 or something like that. But on the strip club DJ charts, it was top 10 for months. And I was like, I had no idea. And at the time, Billy, our guitar player, was working at the Cheetah here in Atlanta. Oh. <laughs> and he said, hey, man, we're on the strip club charts. I'm like, what are you talking about? Can you get that for me? So he got it. And lo and behold, there's like Fozzie, you know, Jay-Z, whoever the hell else they're dancing to with uh, with uh, Lights Go Out being right in the middle of it. And the thing about Lights Go Out as well is that was a song that was written by Rich and Johnny Andrews, who will come in to play big time for the Judas record. But that song was, I, when I first heard it, I was like, that is cool. Because it's a very much a strip club song, but it's almost like a dance club, heavy metal, I don't know, sexy, really cool song right. that we had never written anything like that before. Mm. And then if you follow that up with Do You Want to Start a War, which is huge in the set, yes. you got two songs that are once again standing out being very different, but also all very fozzy. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Bad Tattoo, we still play that. Awesome. Died With You, we just dropped tonight. We use it once in a while. Anarchist, we still play. Uh, and SOS. SOS is a great cover. It was supposed to be a B-side, wow. but it turned out so great. I was like, 
wow, we need to put that on the record. And I remember, I think it was Richard's suggestion. I was suggesting Devil Woman oh. by Cliff Richard. Right, yeah. And also uh, Destroyer by the Kinks. Paranoia, it <laughs> destroys. And then Rich came up with SOS. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. And then we're like, dude, this is so good. It has to be on the record. And live, it goes over huge. Right. Every night. We just did Europe with Steel Panther. And when you do SOS, even people that have no idea who you are go crazy for that song. So... Yeah, man. I mean, that was the real breakthrough was Do You Want to Start a War? I made it to like number 50 on Billboard. That's and, amazing. You know, um, that's when we really started seeing, okay, this band is starting to really get into the zone now. Mm. Who filmed your video for um, um, When the Lights Go Out? Because that was somebody... Lights Go Out was, was, a, was a lyric video. And I thought oh, yeah. that we made a mistake by not making a video for it. And it actually just passed 2 million views a couple days ago which is part of the Judas effect, which I'll tell you about in a bit. But um, uh, the, the song, Do You Want to Start a War? We had a video, and it was more of kind of a, like a deal, rock and roll children, where you stand up for yourself, and the music of Fozzie makes you into a guy. Still a little bit cheesy. I mean, we've had some cheesy videos in the past, as I think every band has. Uh, Sandpaper was kind of a, a homage to Evil Dead. This one was kind of a homage to... Um, Dio uh, rock and roll children like I said there's also like a big dance routine in the middle of it <laughs> I mean with the fire had a big soul train dance in it as well so we've always had um, you know those kind of videos where you're like okay but um, you know I, I think do you want to start a war it was really floundering at like 300,000 views and then once again when Judas came out everything got sucked up like sandpaper went from 1 million to three and a half Oh. And war hit one million, and lights go out hit two million, and enemy hit a million. So all of these videos were just getting bigger and bigger because of Judas's popularity. Do you guys tell a difference, like in Apple Music and stuff, with Judas on the rise with everybody buying singles now? Was everything yeah? Well, the growing? thing with Judas is that people actually are buying the single. I think it's done like a hundred and fifty thousand uh, uh, sales, which is crazy. That that's sales. It's not streams. That's amazing. You know, and it's streamed thirteen or fourteen million, and the record has as well, which is crazy. And I'm holding in my hand now the the Fozzy Judas record, which uh, it bothers me because the first two. The first one's a double gatefold. The second one's got lyrics and, and everything. And the third one, Judas, has nothing. It's a paper thing. And it's like, well, how cheap is that? What happened? I don't know. <laughs> Ask the record company. I remember whenever I bought an ACDC record back in the 80s, they would never have anything. It would just be a paper sleeve. And it's like, well, we got ACDCs on that one. But a great cover. <laughs> I think the last two covers have been our best two covers we've ever had. Absolutely. Um, and then, I mean, like you said, the Judas record, I mean, dude, it took everything to a completely different level for us. You know, with um, Judas, the song came out in May. And I remember um, Alicia Dove, who's in the Judas video, she's one of the girls, uh, the redheaded girl that's that's one of the dancers in it. She goes, well, what's your goal for this video? And I was like, well, Sandpaper's at one million, so I hope to get to three. We had one million views in a week, and it's almost at 16 million views now. That's crazy. Probably more by the time you guys listen to this. And the sales and then the, the chart position it's six months it stayed in the charts it started at 70 and climbed all the way to number five for like five weeks number one on octane for five weeks like it just it became this monster to where it is our you shook me all night long it's our enter sandman it's our pour some sugar on me and i'm not saying it's as big as those songs but it is synonymous with fuzz it's a hit single right and when you have a hit single it changes everything and you can see that in the offers that we're getting, the merch that you're selling, the people coming to the, like we sold 
so many tickets for our tour in the last week. Mm-hmm. We've never sold this many tickets before. Now for Metallica, it's probably nothing, but for us to see what we sold, I couldn't believe it. Absolutely, you can really see. I call it the Judas effect. All of this great stuff that's happening because of the song Judas, and then Painless, the second single, debuted at number twenty-nine. You know, Judas debuted at seventy. Painless debuted at 29, so you can see automatically how many doors it opened right off the bat. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the videos you have for um, Judas and Painless, and I like how you're using Nathan Mowry, who yeah. I'm starting to use now. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, how did you meet with, uh, how'd you hook up with uh, Nathan? Funny story, uh, DDP, um, uh, D- Diamond Dallas Page, I, uh, I worked with him for years in WCW and WWE, and then a couple years ago, uh, my back was really messed up, and doctor said you need back surgery, and I refused to get back surgery. But I uh, got a call from DDP. He's got his own DDP yoga, which became a huge influence in my life, saved my life, and everything feels great now. And he's got a, a performance awesome. center in Smyrna, Georgia. And I came there to. He asked me to film some stuff for his website. And Nathan works for DDP. He's on salary as, as his you know video guy, videographer. And Paige was like, listen, you ever need a place to film a video or you need my crew, let me know. And I was like, well, dude, we're going to do a video very soon. And Nathan was the guy. And we just had this really cool idea. Um, There's a video from uh, a Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion record called Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And it's Axel in the forefront and the guys in the background kind of moving really quickly and fast. And we said, I said, I want to do that. I think Sick of It All has a kind of a homage to it. And then we said, well, what if we take that, but what if we add kind of a shining element to it? And what I mean by that, if you've seen the movie The Shining, mm-hmm. when Jack Torrance starts losing his mind, he's like between two dimensions. Like there's ghosts talking to him, right. but he's still alive, but he's not. And we thought, well, what if we put all of these weird things going on in the video, mm-hmm. film it at half speed so a four-minute song becomes an eight-minute song, and um, when you play it back, at normal speed is very erratic and fast and so that's what we did and if you look at that video never do the band and the characters the clowns and the wolf and the rabbit and the girls they never interact with each other they don't pay attention to each other because they're not in the same dimension they're in two different planes they just happen to be intersecting mm. and so that's what we did and the fastest video literally dude we had three takes to get it right because nathan's on fire in it yes and there's like a confetti can we only did three so we rehearsed all day and did the three of them and but it was not so hard to do because it's like if it's slowed down you are beautiful is that how you sing on it? the inside yeah it's slow wow keep that in mind we'll come back to that in a second <laughs> so we filmed it um I went to the bar to have a drink with my friend. I think we finished at like eight. And by 10, I had the finished video. That's incredible. That's how quickly they turn over. Wow. So Painless, we decided, well, let's continue the theme. Let's do a sequel for the video. I hadn't seen a sequel for a video in years. And let's make it like, uh, we'll film it at double speed, right? (laughs) So that meant that we... um, that we do like uh, you take a four minute song and move it down to I think it was like a minute 45 mm. problem is whereas Judas I had time to get my bearings painless I didn't I left her in between I whisper and a scream you have to get it all the way through that's yeah. how it was that's literally how fast it was killing me one breath at a time calling your web I'm paralyzed so you gotta rehearse and rehearse because if I ah. mess up one word and there's a couple things in the video you can see where the lip singing is not completely on it but when you play that back at normal speed it makes it very slow and soupy almost like you're underwater you know and that's where 
some of the same characters are in it. Alicia's in it again. The clowns are in it again. Uh, we had another girl, uh, Karen, who's our makeup girl, looks great in a corset. So she's carrying the wolf's <laughs> head and the rabbit's head. She's killed them. I love um, how Rich is on that creepy tricycle, bicycle. Tricycle. And the difference now is that Chris is the only guy still in the dimension. Now the band is also in the other dimension with all these creatures. Oh. So I'm not interacting with anybody, but they're all kind of following me to maybe drag me into this world as well. Mm. That was filmed twice. The first day we filmed it, we over uh, we underestimated how hard it would be because Judas was so easy. Because once again, like I said, too, it was all one take. Mm. By the way, wow, all one take. So with Painless, it's like, oh, this shouldn't be too hard. Judas was like freaking, you know, two hours. This will be even quicker. Wrong. First of all, we went to a, a site where we were supposed to get permits, but some somebody didn't get them, and we basically had the cops show up, uh, begging them to let us. During filming? During filming to kick us out. And we had rehearsed, we had rehearsed, we had rehearsed. Still weren't getting it. Had some pretty lame, you know, copies that we can't use this, you know, lame takes. So we went to the venue where we're filming, where you see Painless. It's behind a church where we rehearse. And we banged that out a bunch, but we're losing sunlight. So the one that we saw that was okay, the lighting was really bad. Mm. So then it's like, well, what do we do? Like, we can't put out this half-assed video after Judas has been such a success. It's very important. Yeah. You know, I think this, the video was part of the success of the song and vice versa. So we had to get everybody back about a month and a half later, two months later, and do it again. Oh, wow. And really take our time and get it right. And we did about seven takes. And then this time we set a drum set on fire. So once so again, cool. you know, you have the fire that burns only so many times and then you're done. So we got a take that we all loved and, uh, you know, put it together and released it. And then uh, it, it did a, it only did a million videos. Sorry, it did a million views in a month. That's insane. Not in a week. Like if you would have told me we'll do a million views in a month before Judas, I'd be like, oh, are you kidding me? And I was like, yeah, it's only did a million views in a month. But like I said, but the chart position is higher. So one had the high video, low chart. The other one had high chart, low video. But I mean, dude, if you can do a million views in a month, I will take that it's any rare. day of the week. So. Yeah, you can just see like all of these things happening and all of this buzz about the band because, you know, A, they're great songs and B, we put a lot of time into doing the videos right. Right. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit, credit to the people. I love how each, there's so many songs that are hits, and I love how you guys talk about that. Um, I love Three Days in Jail, and what I was going to ask you is, I know, I, I think I've heard you say you originally wrote that with different lyrics, yeah. and they changed them. Would you ever talk about what they originally were written about, or is that yeah, something you want to keep writing? Yeah, I mean, um, Three Days in Jail is written uh, from experience when I spent three days in jail. <laughs> right. It was actually here in Atlanta. Um, so... When I was in jail, which was the worst, but I had to do it to kind of, you know, you got to, you, you do the crime, you pay your time. And it was, a, it was a, a DUI, which, you know, we don't have to get into, but point was, that was what I had to do. It was either, you know, when you travel as much as I do, um, you can't uh, have that on your record. It's very mm -hmm. bad. And, you know, I was over the limit, but I was hanging out with the cops. They didn't put me in jail. I was gone in 30 minutes. But once you get brought in, you're in the system, and that was it. And I was like, but I'm, 
you didn't even they didn't even take my keys away wow. right but once again i'm not complaining mm-hmm. i was over the limit that's it dude you know this is before uber now if, if anybody gets drunk driving now with uber you're just an idiot because <laughs> right. i uber everywhere now if i have one drink i'm ubering i'm never yeah. i'm never doing it again i learned my lesson as i should have but um I remember being in jail and I was like, you know, I'm going to get something. I'm going to write a book about it and I'm going to write a song about it. Hmm. And I, they'd given me this shitty little pen that had, uh, you know, when you get like a big pen, but they just take the ink thing out. They take the yeah. plastic tube away because I guess the plastic tube is a weapon, even though once again, they didn't take my car keys away. I still had it in my hand. So, uh, yeah, it was um, I was trying to write with this little shitty pen. I had some paper in there. And then there's this guy looking in the cell because I had a, my own cell, which meant I couldn't leave it. But there's other people that are kind of walking around because you have that right if you're like in general. And the guy's kind of looking at me like, you know, I'm, and I'm not there to make friends with anybody because this is a bad place. I'm like, you know, get out of here. Leave me alone. Get out of here. So I put a piece of paper up in the in the little window so he can't see me. And then I hear this like sound, like kind of a, like a, like a, a, a type of a sound like kind of like this that sort of thing <laughs> and i look and there's like a space under the door and he slid a real pen under the door mm. and so i looked at the guy and i was like i took the paper down I'm like thanks dude he's like uh. so i had this like contraband pen <laughs> <laughs> but that's when i wrote the story of, of of what happened to get into that position Fast forward to the Judas record, and you're talking about, uh, and, and I mentioned Johnny Andrews before Felice Go Out. Johnny produced this record and co-wrote all the songs with Rich. And I only have co-rates on three of them, which are Wordsworth Way, uh, Three Days in Jail, and Running with the Bulls. Wow. And usually I write all the lyrics, but for this right. album, Johnny's a lyric writer, and he knew what he wanted, and we, Rich and I decided he's in charge. Whatever he says goes. It's like a Bob Ezrin with Kiss, a Bob Rock with Metallica, like no messing around. And so, you know, Every week I'd get these new songs. It's like, well, didn't write that one. Didn't write that one. Because I submitted like 14 songs as usual, but they just, none of them were getting used, right? So um, finally, I just, uh, uh, I just, uh, Three Days in Jail comes out. I'm like, oh, this is great. Three Days in Jail. And I'm listening. I'm like, these are not my lyrics. None of these are my lyrics. All I got was the song title. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, when you go through the publishing, when you put together the record, like, Wordsworth Way, like I wrote all the lyrics. That's my song. Yeah, that, so that's fifty percent for Chris. But for Three Days in Jail, I think it's like forty percent Johnny, forty percent Rich, fifteen percent for uh, uh, Hyro Hyro the Hero, Hydro the Hero, who Hyro sorry Hyro the Hero, who did the rap on it. Five percent for Jericho for the song title. I'm like, dude, you guys can keep it. I'll give you the song title for free. <laughs> that one's on me. So, um, but you know, like, like I said, we didn't even care about. Any of those things, as far as who wrote what, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that the album is great, and we've got the album of our career that's just gone through the roof uh, in so many different ways. So I'm really glad that we worked with Johnny. It wasn't easy at times Mm -hmm. to give up control of uh, your project. Like, who's this Johnny Andrews telling Rich and Chris how to do a Fozzie record? We know what to do. But he had a lot of great suggestions and ideas, and... uh, you know, like I said, the proof is in the proverbial pudding. Look at look at uh, how good the record is and how good it's done. When um, Metallica did the Black Album, I know they documented everything. Did you yeah. guys ever discuss doing I wanted like that? to do that and really uh, do kind of a, a documentary, but we didn't know Nathan at the time. 
he's the guy to do it. And when we did Fozzie Across America, when Judas came out, we did three shows oh. in three different time zones in one day. We did uh, Fort Myers in the morning, El Paso in the afternoon, and Las Vegas at night. We brought Nathan with us mm-hmm. to do um, uh, a documentary, and that's really well done. And he also did a making of for the Painless video and one for the Judas video as When's well. When's all that coming out, the three shows and... That is done. It's just a matter of finding the right place. You know, you don't want to just drop it. I know that the the making of Painless is ready to go, but I thought, well, when it hits a million views, then we'll release it. We're almost at a million now. Like I said, by probably at this point, as we're talking, it might even be at a million. Um, And then we'll release it once we hit a million views. So, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff that that we've done that we've got. And and a lot of that is having the right guy. 996,516 <laughs> views so we'll get there by the end of the day but you know you want to have the right guy to um be able to do all this stuff with so um he's the right guy he gets the band he's one of us he's a great guy we're actually working on another project together now oh great um so you know he's part of the team and that's another important thing with with Fozzie. we're finding the right guys for the team because it's not just the guys in the band it's the crew it's the it's the record company now Century Media got bought by Sony Records. So now we're on Sony Music, mm. which is crazy. Like, we're on Sony. Like, that's insane. So, you know, you're taking a band that you know, three albums ago we were putting out ourselves, and now we're on Sony Music. So, once again, another very cool thing that's happened at the right time and right place. I guess the last question I want to ask you for this album is the song you wrote about your mom. I, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Words With Way. Yeah. How tough was it writing something so personal? I remember Richard asked me before if I wanted to write a song about my mom. I just wasn't interested in it. But what happened was when U2 released the record that everybody got in their Apple tunes that caused the big, was it called Songs of Innocence? I think so. Songs of Innocence, I think it was called. I love U2. I love the record. And there's a song on it called Cedarwood Road, which is Bono wrote that about about his childhood home and his mom. And I was like, well, I can do, I'd like to do a version of that. Because I'm always the type of guy that when I see a song title that interests me, after all the music I've listened to, to see something intriguing, I find it very interesting. So if I'm looking at the back of this as a fan, I would see Wordsworth Way and go, well, what is that all about? You know, it's like drinking with Jesus or running with the bulls. That sounds interesting. Wolves at bay. What does that mean? Um, so Wordsworth Way is the street that I grew up on. And, you know, it kind of deals with, you know, my mother's death and, and, and all that sort of thing based around you know, growing up on Wordsworth Way and kind of the last time I ever saw her, you know, not to get too deep, was she was standing on the edge of the drive. Mm. And, you know, I saw her a few times after, but I always remember that rear view mirror seeing her, you know, on the edge of the drive. Wow. So that song is written all about that. And it was the one set of lyrics that I gave Rich and Johnny. And I said, listen, guys, like, if you guys want to chop it up or change it, but I, A, I'd really like to use this song. It means a lot to me. And B, if you decide to use it, please don't change anything. And if you do, let me change it. Because, you know, sometimes you got to cut and paste it. But it's, it's, it, it tells a real story, you know. Um, and it turned out to be one of the best songs on the record. It's so epic, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Rich's guitar solo is great. The orchestration is great. And once again, these guys just went above and beyond for all the programming. And like, wait of my world, we're, we're going to start That's doing that song. live now. I mean, there's a, so much going on in that song. You never would have heard that on a Fozzie record four years ago. Mm-hmm. And you hear that with Burn Me Out and Wait of My World is like that. And, you know, there's so much orchestration of Judas and uh, Capsized. And it's just a really, really cool record with a lot of ear candy on it. I was thinking about your title, Drinking with Jesus, and Striper's new 
album title and how bent out of shape everybody's getting about it it's but i i love i love the uh i love the title like you said it keeps you uh guessing you know what's the song really about right you're talking about goddamn evil the yes. yeah i love it i mean i remember people were all up for it when they put out to hell with the devil oh yeah um when that came out there was a big controversy about that in 1986 so it's just the natural extension i'd like striper should piss people off right you know it pisses people off that there's a christian heavy metal band and that's good and they're I told Michael, like Michael, I'm like, dude, I get it. I even, I, I tweeted, you know, he takes a lot of shit, you know, and for a guy that stood up for what he believes in for 35 odd years, he still, it, it weighs him down. I can tell. So I want to say, listen, I love that title. Yeah. It, it's not goddamn evil. It's God damn evil. Like God damns evil people. So yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I, I really like that idea and, um, uh, drinking with Jesus once again, my wife hates it. You right. know, it's blasphemy. You know, f***ed up. You're drinking with Jesus. It's not blasphemy. Um, drinking with Jesus. When I first heard the title, and they said, "Do you are you are you comfortable with this song title?" I said, well, "What does it mean?" It means drinking alone. Hmm. You know, I got no friends. I'm here drinking with the Lord, drinking with Jesus, and I, it's actually street slang. I really like the concept of that. And yeah. I don't know what Johnny Andrews has been through in his life, but he wrote <laughs> Judas, he wrote Painless, he wrote <laughs> Drinking with Jesus. Like he's got some deep shit oh. going on, as far as lyrically. So definitely, you know, um, it's, uh, but that's another one. It's just this great idea. I forgot, um, but Judas was originally written for another band, wasn't it? If you look at the songwriting credits on Judas, it's written by uh, Rich. Johnny and there's another guy on the on the uh, I don't know if because we have the cheap ass ACDC and I can't remember his name right now and I know exactly what it is but I think the band was called um, oh man I'm just gonna kill me Justin Cordell is his name and I I think the name the name of the band I can't remember what it was We as Humans or something like that but uh, he had written this song with Johnny and um, had to leave the business or the band broke up or whatever it may be and uh, Johnny was like, we got this song. And so him and Rich kind of retooled it, rewrote it. And suddenly we've got this massive hit. And there's another song on the record, which I think should be a single at some point called Elevator, oh. that was written with the guys from Three Days Grace. Oh, cool. And once again, you know, kind of went through the Rich and Johnny ringer when, when Three Days didn't want to use it. And we've got another great song. So once again, you know, a great song is a great song. Whoever wrote it, wrote it. Good for them. But it's how you sing it, how you Absolutely. play it, uh, the vibe of it. It's all important. You know, like when Judas, I, I'm reading these lyrics at first and I'm like, okay, well, this is about betrayal and not about betrayal of somebody else. It's about betraying yourself. And that's the worst type of betrayal. You know, you're making the bad decision. You know, it's the wrong thing to do, but you do it anyways. And I think that's one of the, another reason why Judas is so popular is because people can empathize with that song and understand what it means to take that one more drink or eat that one more cookie or you know, run the red light, you know, knowing that it's the wrong thing to do, but you just decide to do it anyways. And that's what Judas is all about. So when I read these lyrics from Johnny, I have to run them through my ringer and then sing them and sell them. You know, I didn't write the song, but I have to sell it. And that's kind of, um, that's my job as a singer. And, uh, I, I, I love the fact I got to introduce that song to the world. And I thank Justin all the time for like, dude, I'm so glad that you didn't do this, (laughs) you know? Um, because once again, I mean, that song is the song for Fozzie at this point in our career. Um, hopefully we'll have bigger ones, but if we don't, we got the one we needed. Absolutely. There's um, just a couple more things. The, the the book, I know you've written a few books. Um, 
the last book you written, no, no is a four letter word. Yes. I love how you read it on audible.com. I guess I'm giving them a shout out, but I, I, I listened to that. I, I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, what happened was, um, when I did the best in the world, uh, at what I have no idea, the idea for the audio book came up and I wanted to do it, but, um, it was a really bad deal. And they, they wanted me to come to California and like live out there for like a week. And I was just, I'm not doing that. Cause I'm not, I'm not getting paid anything, you know? We got to do it in Tampa. No, you said you were going to do it contractually at our studios. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm not doing shit. Do it yourself. So they got some Shakespearean actor to do it, <laughs> which I still get complaints about because he didn't know anything about wrestling or music. So, you know, th there's a guy that I had a big feud with called Rey Mysterio, and he does a 619 is his finishing move. 619 is area code for San Diego. Mm -hmm. And this guy's like, and then Ray Mysterio did the 619 and like people like, ah, oh, you didn't even know us. So it's like, okay. So when the time came for knows a four letter word, I was like, I am doing this myself. Thankfully it's half the size of, uh, of best in the world. Cause it takes a long time and it's hard to wow. do. It's a long process because you have to enunciate every single word and still have pronunciation and still have character. And you're just reading it over and over and over again. And I didn't have an engineer. I was just going on my own. And I, thankfully, it worked out. And I'm glad you heard it. And a lot of people yeah. are enjoying it. Because I was like, there's no way I'm ever having another audiobook <laughs> oh, yeah. without me reading it again. Yeah, and if it is somebody reading it, it's going to be someone that actually knows what the hell they're talking about. Have you heard um, Sebastian Bach read his book? No. It is hilarious. I'm sure it is. Because he, he laughs at his own jokes. And, and he is hilarious he's, on there. He's got such a funny voice to begin with. <laughs> and he does laugh at his own jokes. I can just <laughs> He gets such a kick out of himself. I can totally hear that. Did you hear the story about him um, in his book? He said, he's talking, I love this about you guys. When you first met I guess you first met Axl Rose and he's telling that story about you in the studio. And when he mentions Eddie Trunk, he doesn't say Eddie Trunk. He just says, and the DJ. I know. <laughs> I know he just totally jobbed Eddie out, <laughs> which I was laughing at. Um, yeah. Sebastian was actually in the, that, that was an amazing uh, he, story. He, he was also in um, uncensored unleashed unknown, the original Fozzie documentary. Sebastian was in that. That's Dee great. Snyder was in it. Mike Portner was in it. So yeah, it's uh, that's what I said, you know, um, I really wanted to uh, uh, make sure that I did it myself. And it was not easy to do. So anybody who's ever done an audio book of their own. Um, do you have somebody in there like producing you? Saying, no. Or, okay. No, that's the thing. I, I, I just was like, for whatever reason, I just went to a studio near my house where I record you know, my podcast sometimes if I need a studio. And I just sat there and started reading it. And if I fucked up, I would just redo it. And if I didn't like it, I, I, I know what they're looking for. Hmm. You know, and if there was something that I just didn't feel was right, I would do it again. I asked a couple of questions and, you know, um, and you can't sing things. I was singing the songs and you can't do that. <laughs> oh. So they gave me a big list of corrections at the end of it that I'd redo. That's but. weird. They give you rules because, you know, people are buying. It's for you. It's your book. You yeah. Know? But I mean, if, if there was a song title, you can't sing it. Mm. Oh. That was one of the rules, you know. And so I was like, OK, once you learn that, you're like, OK, I get it. So mm. that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is I actually got you something for letting me be a part of your your uh, podcast today sure thing man so What'd hold you on get? one second let me what you got what you got kid he's got this guy came in here uh a bunch of and brought a whole bunch of stuff he's unwrapping a box go. good lord wow man that's very cool it's like a fozzy uh it's, it's almost like a, a gold record um, except for we don't have a gold record presented to Chris Jericho by Good Company to commemorate the Fozzie long playing album and compact disc Judas very very cool 
Long playing album. Yeah, that's it. What does ARA stand for? Oh, it's the uh, hardest I cannot. Oh, okay, well, that's actually you based that on the real thing. Right. This is a really cool um, uh, gift, my man. And I'll tell you what, um, we'll take a picture with this too Definitely. to show everybody at home the great gift that you gave me. But still, dude, you got another 10 minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. Ask me about other stuff. Okay, other stuff. I love in your book when you talk about uh, Yoko. When you were in the restroom, that is a hilarious story. Right. Yeah, man. And we were at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, my cousin Chad and I. And um, we go every year. We did for a while. And I, I couldn't go the last couple of years for different reasons. But uh, it was the year Ringo got inducted. And so uh, Chad and I, we know a lady who can get us on the floor. But we don't have anywhere to sit because seats there cost like 10 grand a pop. So they can't <laughs> kick us off the floor. But we basically have nowhere to go. Mm. So um, I was like, you know, I've, I've been trying to meet McCartney for years, man. And it's just like, I never can meet him. I never can meet him. And um, I see the tables right at the front. And it's Paul and his wife and Ringo and his wife and Yoko and Olivia, George's widow. And I notice when bands play, everyone stands up. So no one knows who's sitting where at that point. So Green Day comes on and they start playing. Everyone stands up. I sit in a chat. I was like, dude, I'm going. I'm I'm going. So I start walking through the crowd and like, hey, man, how you doing? How's it going? What's going on? How are you? How are you? And get to the front of the crowd. And uh, there I am. I'm standing literally right next to Paul McCartney wow. and Ringo. And Green Day's playing um, uh, American Idiot. Da, 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 da. Hey. And Paul's going, hey. And everyone, the whole crowd, Paul's just eyes yelling, hey, hey. So finally it ends and uh, everyone starts sitting down and Paul starts walking with his bodyguard and I'm like, okay, this is my chance. So there's a line of tables in the middle. Paul's on the right side. I'm on the left side and we're kind of walking down this uh, line until finally we meet at the end. What a coincidence. Wow. <laughs> Funny seeing you here. And I'm like, Hey Paul, like green day was great. Weren't these guys? Like, oh, yeah, man, they're good. What, what a great band. And I was like, uh, he had a security guard in front of him. And I said, I noticed that you have security in front of you. I said, do you need me to be your behind security back security? In case, you know, you get attacked by ninjas. And I'm like, why did I say that? You know, that stupid thing to say. He's like, ninjas? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, no, I'm okay. And I go, high five, Paul. You know, it gives me a high five. Because I was trying to be cool. And at the end, I was just like, I couldn't. I was like, hey, Paul, high five. So we're just freaking out. And we're excited. And I'm Chad, I finally met McCartney. This is great. This is so cool. <laughs> so when we were getting pretty loaded at this point in time. Because there was a couple of waitresses on the floor that, that liked us. And were being nice to us. And giving us free alcohol and shit. So then we go into the bathroom, and as we're in the bathroom, a guy comes in and goes, "Everybody leave! I got Yoko, and she's she wants to get in. She she's gonna needs the bathroom." So everyone's kind of laughing. He's like, "No, I'm serious. Everyone's got to clear out." So everyone clears out, and I'm just standing there by myself. There's no one else in there. I'm like, "Screw it." That I'm, is ballsy. I'm gonna go in the bathroom <laughs> stall. Why? I don't know. What am I gonna do? I don't know. So I go in the stall. I lock the door, and I go. Uh, put my feet on the toilet seat and crouch down as if like, you know, like I'm a spy. You know, you don't want to have your feet on the ground. So I'm like, like I'm, I'm like crouching on the toilet. Is the door locked? At the door's locked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Yoko comes in and you know, she didn't sound like this, but in my mind, I'm hearing this Japanese like, Oh, okay. I go to left and, and, and you go to right or something. So she has a friend with her and the gods of, you know, bathrooms are watching over me because she goes in the left stall and her friend goes in the right stall and I'm in the middle stall. And I'm sitting there crouched on the toilet seat and I hear like this kind of like sound of a, you know, dress being dropped. And I see this swath of like black cloth underneath my uh, toilet stall and she starts peeing. I'm like, 
thank goodness. Like, it, it'd be really embarrassing if she was, you know, going Taking to take a poop, up. right? So she pees, she finishes up, she walks out. And I'm like, okay, this is my chance. So I open the stall, I walk out, and I'm like, oh, my God. I thought this was the men's room. She's like, oh, it is the men's room. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I mean, all I'm thinking is like, okay, this is Yoko Ono, one of the most famous people on the planet and has been for 50 years. How many times... Has she opened a closet and there's somebody in there, or somebody looking at her window, or someone in a bathroom stall going, I thought this was the men's room. Obviously, she knows I'm full of shit, but she's really nice. So we go to the sink and we start washing our hands because I might be a pervert, but I'm not a barbarian. I still want clean hands. So we start washing I washing my hands and uh, I'm going to dry them off. I don't have a, a towel. There's no towels. And she has a, stap- a stack of napkins. She goes, here, we'll use one of these. You can't have wet hands. Like she's yelling at me for having wet hands because you might get cracked skin or something. <laughs> so I, I dry my hands off and, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I say, so um, are you having fun? You know, because you go, oh, yes, it's so nice to see everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, well, thank you. You know, thanks for the napkin. Have a great time. Okay, you have fun. And she walks out and I walk out and the giant security guard standing there and I'm like, I don't know what the f*** just happened. <laughs> So uh, that was it, man. The That's time great. that, uh, uh, and then the, the the epilogue of the story is, I go, we go to the after party, and Paul is sitting there talking. It's Paul and his wife, and um, Joe Walsh and his wife, and they're at a table talking, and um, people are coming up to Paul and saying hi to him. And then he goes to, like the buffet area, he's getting some cheese, and uh, everyone's starting to gather around. And they're taking pictures of him now, and I remember hearing on a podcast that he did by Chris Hardwick, who I still freaking hate for getting Paul McCartney on his show. <laughs> was that uh, Paul loves talking to people, but when people started taking pictures with him, he starts getting very uncomfortable because then he has to become that guy. And um, uh, I was like, hey, Paul, like, you know, if people are bothering you, like, I can ask them to leave you alone. And he looks at me and goes, who the f*** are you, man? He goes, you, are you a security? Or are you a cameraman? I'm like, cameraman? Does he think I'm like TMZ or something? He goes, listen, if I need some help with the ninjas... I'll let you know. Until then, <laughs> go away. <laughs> and as he walks away, all I can think of was, he remembered the ninjas. <laughs> he knows who I am. That's uh, so great. that was it, man. The time, yeah. The um, time I met those guys. So That's a great story. And my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts you have is the Heaven's Metal. Because I grew up, me and my brother grew up listening to Striper and, mm-hmm. and Bride. And my question is, would you ever have bride on your show they're so hard to get I mean, well it's Dale. funny because dale thompson came to our show that we had in louisville i think back in 2012 and i was actually friends with dale for years i, I in the early days of email he was one of the guys that i happened to just find and was following him and we kind of exchanged he was a big bodybuilder guy for a while and like just oh, one cool. of the best voices and you'll ever find um and bride was still doing some stuff at the time and the last i heard somebody i was talking to knew dale and said that he moved to south africa or something like this or south america or something yes do you know about this yeah uh yes I, he had mentioned because i tried to i have a sh- my show i tried to get him on and he and he had mentioned something like that like the south- they lived far far yeah, away yeah far yeah. away i guess he found some girl because at the time he was getting divorced he did get re uh i don't know remarried, remarried or whatever. i think I, w- I went to church with them one time oh, I, I met cool. all of his kids Wow. So, yeah, I had a, a little bit of an experience with Dale, and he was a great guy. But, man, what if, if you guys are listening and you heard the Heaven's Metal podcast with uh, Richard Christie and Howard Jones, that guy could sing like a mofo. And uh, Snakes in the Playground is their 
that's their best record. They're making a new album right now that's supposed to be like a continuation of that. They've called, always said that. They've it's always called tried. Snake Eyes, though. They're, they're, I think it's Snake Eyes. They've always tried, but I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes I find bands have that moment in time where they're at their peak and it's hard to recapture. But hey, I've bought every Bride album, even when they went grunge and they went industrial and dropping on. Um, yeah, and I still love his voice. So you know, if he if he's singing something, if he sings the phone book, I'll listen to it. Right on, man. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate um I good appreciate stuff, you Scott. You did good. Thank you. Thank wow. you. This I didn't is awesome. know what to expect. I didn't know if you'd want to talk wrestling or music, but it's very, <laughs> very ple- pleasantly surprised uh, that you wanted to talk Fozzie. And uh, yeah, like I love Fozzie. Great stuff. Who's who, who's the biggest uh, guest you've had on your show on Good Company? So the most views I've had. I was totally blessed to have Brian Welch from Corn. Wow, yeah. He actually showed up. And, it's monkey, and, right? Or is that no, head? That's head. Head. Yeah, head, yeah. And that's gotten, for me, that's, right now, I checked it today, and it was like 72,000 views. For nice. me, that's huge. That's so, huge. Uh, and he was totally, totally cool. I've had Michael Sweet on there, LeJean from Seven Does, yeah. Clint. I have Corey Lowry tomorrow. Nice. I, I, so, he played Fozzie for a tour. Yeah, how was Great that? Guy. That's awesome. awesome. Played... We had so much fun. He played in Stuck Mojo for years, obviously, and our bass player kind of uh, ditched us, and uh, Corey came in last minute and killed it. We had a great time. Good guy. Fun to be around. That's great. So, yeah, yeah. And, I, and one of my favorite bands also is Seven Dust, and I was wondering, that would be so cool if Fozzie and Seven Dust did something. We've always talked about it. I know there's, I mean, there's a lot of camaraderie between those guys. You know, obviously for years they played together up and down the roads. But, um, yeah, man, absolutely. It's, 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 it's very cool. And the show is good company, and where can we find it? Definitely. Uh, I do not currently have a website right now, but I'm on, on YouTube. Facebook. Yeah, YouTube, and my YouTube is, let me see. Uh, YouTube.com. There it is. Yeah, Scott Bowling. Just look up Scott Bowling Good Company. <laughs> Go check that out. Scott Bowling 1580 at gmail.com if you want to talk to him. But good stuff, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Fozzie record? All that remains. My favorite uh, is All That Remains. Really? Yeah. I love that album. It just uh, it's like you know, music is a soundtrack to your life, and I remember just digging into that album and listening to it on in my car. That was like my car album. That's why we still play enemies. Some of the guys in the band are like, "Oh, we should drop it." I'm like, "We we can't drop it, dude. It's too many people uh, have too many great memories about that time frame." So, Mm -hmm. enemy stays. So, there you go, man. Good Thank talking you to you. Me. Congratulations. Appreciate I it. I give you an A+. Plus. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks again to Scott Bowling of Good Company. Check out his show, Good Company, on YouTube or on Facebook at Good Company with Bowling. He just had Rich Ward on the show talking about 90s metal with Octane's Jose Mangan. Check it out. He did a great job. And don't forget, uh, January 4th, Wrestle Kingdom 13, Jericho versus Naito 2, available on New Japan World. You're not going to want to miss this. It's going to be a brutal fight to the uh, to the end. All right. Uh, and speaking of a brutal fight, this has nothing to do with it. i got Sami Zayn returning to talk as Jericho, though, one of my favorite guests. He's currently out of the WWE with double shoulder surgery. He came and visited with me when Fozzie played in Montreal. Great conversation with just an amazing, introspective, interesting guy. Sami Zayn will be here on Friday on Talk is Jericho. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big give.